But turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5. We're continuing, of course, our study. We're seeing that Jesus Christ actually gave a message to John. John was on the island of Patmos. And it's what we call the end time events, the revelation. And as we're seeing, chapters 4 and 5, there's a scene in heaven. We always make the statement that says, well, you know, I, what, I'd like to go to heaven. I wonder what it looks like in heaven. Well, we're actually in chapter 4 and chapter 5, we're seeing a scene in heaven. God the Father is sitting on the throne in the line of Judah is about to appear, and that's Jesus Christ. And we're seeing that. And in this section, God the Father is called the Creator, and Jesus Christ is called the Redeemer. We know that the Godhead, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all three do all uh, all aspects. Jesus Christ is a Creator as well. But in this particular passage of chapter 4 and chapter 5, God the Father is the Creator. Jesus Christ is the Redeemer. So we'll see it as we go through. Uh, when I was a boy, my... Um, my mother would go to the grocery store, and when she'd get through and she'd pay, then this thing would come out, and there would be S&H green stamps. Only older people know what I'm talking about, but the S&H green stamps would come out. And then you put them in a book, and the more books you had, then you could go into a store. It was called the Redemption Center, and you could go in and buy things with these book of stamps. And I remember one time I saw a baseball glove in there, and I said to my mother, I want that baseball glove. And so I think I remember it was like six and a half books or something to get the baseball glove. But what I want you to think about, it was called the Redemption Center. Because redemption means to purchase by paying a price. And so if you wanted something in the Redemption Center, you had to have the S&H green stamps to be able to pay for it. When we think about Jesus Christ and we think about the whole idea of redemption, redemption means to purchase by paying a price. This morning, the line out of the tribe of Judah, Jesus Christ, as opens the scroll or begins to open the scroll. Why? Because he is the Redeemer. With his shed blood, he paid for our sins. And so when we think about Jesus dying on the cross, paying for our sins. He purchased us. Jesus is the Redeemer. So as we get into chapter 4, we're starting chapter 5 this morning, but last week we were in chapter 4, and all of a sudden, it's taken up to heaven. John, uh, it says, a door was open. A door was open in heaven, and a voice told me, come up here. And he says, and immediately he was up there. When he got up there, he saw a throne, someone sitting on the throne that he couldn't tell what it was, but it looked like you could see through them, but at the same time they were red, and you couldn't tell. And then around the throne were 24 elders, 24 for older people, and we think those elders represented the church, 12 elders represent the 12 apostles, and 12 elders represent the 12 tribes of of Israel, and then there were these four angels around there, and these angels had six wings and eyes and everywhere, and one looked like a calf, and one looked like a, a man, and one looked like an eagle, and I mean, it just it was just really strange as they were flying around, and they were saying, holy, 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 and they were praising God. And as we, as we continued on in, in chapter 4, verse 11, we we saw that he talks about God was worthy. And if the one sitting on the throne, we think that's the Father. He's worthy because he created all things. And so in chapter 4, God the Father is the creator. We're about now to get to chapter 5. And in chapter 5, we see the scene changes a little bit. We're still around the throne. Now, I want you to understand, there's the throne. And there's a rainbow around the throne, but the rainbow is emerald. It's not different colors. It's emerald. And there's one sitting on the throne. And I, I, I imagine they looks like a person, but it was strange when John tried to describe what the Father looked like. Because remember, the Father doesn't have a body. God the Father is a spirit. The Holy Spirit is a spirit. Jesus Christ is the only member of the Godhead that has become a person. He's got a body. And so we're going to see what happens. And and as we uh, look at chapter 5, let me give you sort of the outline. We're going to have to go pretty quickly this morning. Pretty quick. So uh, we're going to see the seven seal scroll. We're going to talk about what that is. Who's worthy to open it? The Lamb appears. Then 
it talks about worthy is the lamb to do it. And then finally we see the worship. And so this is an incredible passage. We talked last week about worship and I ended up by saying what you need to do is go home. And read chapter 4 again. And look at all the words and the way that they describe God the Father. Well, I want you to do the same thing. When you go home today, chapters 4 and 5 go together. And we see the worship of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. And as we look at this in chapter 4, Revelation 4, God the Father is the Creator. Revelation chapter 5, Jesus Christ is the Redeemer. Let's see what happens. Now, here's the throne. There's one sitting on the throne. Everybody, as the, the, the elders have cast their crowns before the one sitting on the throne. There's the four uh, creatures flying around with all the wings. They're angels. And look what happens. Chapter 5, verse 1. I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a book written inside and on the back, sealed up with seven seals. Now he saw the one sitting on the throne. Now apparently he has a sort of some kind of body looking structure because there's a right hand and that right hand speaks of authority and power. He says, I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne this book. It's really not the word for book, it's biblos, but the Greek word means a scroll that has the idea of something that was rolled up. And he said, I saw this scroll basically and it was written on the inside and the outside and it was sealed with seven seals. Now we Remember when we started the book of Revelation a number of weeks ago? I took you back and I showed you that the word seven is used over and over and over again. Not only in the Bible, but especially in the book of Revelation. That is always the the number of God, so to speak. Well, he says there's these seven seals on this on this scroll. And it, uh, it re- really represents coming judgment and restoration, which is what the whole Bible is about. Mankind sinned and failed. There's going to be judgment, but there's going to be restoration. And that's what we're seeing. And that's really the story of the Bible. The perfect God brings sinful man back to himself using his son, Jesus Christ. While John sees that one, here's what he hears. Verse 2, And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book? And to break its scrolls. Now this angel makes this question. He's got great power, strong angel. And he says, and a lot of people said that's kind of a drawing of the father sitting on the throne. And the two angels are right there. And then those four beings or those four other beings. There's the 24 elders. And this one angel is shouting out, basically saying, who is worthy? Who is worthy to open the scrolls? The father has the scroll. Now, who's opened the seals? The Father has the scroll with the seals on it. So who is? Well, look what it says in verse 3. And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the book or to look into it. They said, nobody. And when he says, nobody in the heavens, which most believers are angels, the earth, living people, under the earth, those are already dead. Basically saying, nobody's worthy to open the scroll. And what was John's reaction? And we saw it last week. He said, then I began to weep greatly. Because why? Because no one was found worthy to open the book or to look into it. We know that this scroll has to represent something. And we know it's powerful. And we know it's coming from God the Father. And and so John says, well, who can open this thing? And and everybody says, nobody can open it. And so he's crying. And he says, "Uh, you know, what is John's reaction? It's to weep. He is worshipped. And you can almost see him saying, look, I see the... I see the Father and I see the Spirit, but where's the Son? Where's Jesus? He had worshipped Jesus Christ for 60 years. You understand that John was the youngest of the apostles. This is about the year 95. Jesus has been gone at least 65 years. You could almost see John saying, I've worshipped Jesus for at least 60 years. Where is he? Where is he? And then look what the next verse says. And one of the elders said to me. Now, so he actually talks to John and says, stop weeping. 
Behold, the line that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals. And so he says, stop weeping, stop crying. Why? 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 Because the line out of the tribe of Judah and the root of David. What is he talking about? Well, the line and the tribe of Judah, I want you to think back about this. The, the tribe of Judah was the special tribe where the line was coming. He's from the king of Judah, uh, the king from Judah. And Genesis 49 actually promised that the tribe of Judah, the Messiah and the king would come from them. And then the root of David, it was promised to King David that he would have a son that would sit on the throne forever that would be the Messiah. That was Second Samuel 7 verses 12 through 17 called the son of David or the seed of David. And so this, when he says the tribe of Judah, the line from the tribe of Judah and the root of David has overcome, we say, well, this is the Messiah. This is the same one in Luke chapter 1 when the angel comes to Mary, when Gabriel comes to Mary and says, you're going to have a son and he's going to take the throne of his father, David. This is the one. And so John is, is standing there and this, and this elder says to him, don't worry about it. The line out of the tribe of Judah, the one that's coming from David, he has overcome. What, what does that mean? We've been seeing that word overcome. It's nakeo, the Greek word. We get Nike from it. That word Nike is the noun, which means the victor or the overcomer. He has overcome. How did he overcome? We're going to see in just a minute. He overcame because he's the redeemer. And it says, don't, don't cry. The line from the tribe of Judah has overcome as to open the book and the seven seals. He's going to be the one to open it. Now, you and I are sitting there saying, wonder what's in this scroll. What is in this scroll? And you know what we're going to see? And we'll see it next week because he's going to open the scroll. We're going to see the judgment on the earth. The entire time of tribulation is found in that seven seal scroll. And we'll put it together next week and then in the course of the weeks to come how it all fits together. And so we're saying this is going to be the line of the tribe of Judah. And guess what? When he comes, he doesn't look like a lion. He looks like a lamb. We'd say, what? Wait a minute. He just described him as the line of the tribe of Judah and the root of David. And so I'm expecting this lion to come out and growl and come out and say, I'm the one that's worthy. But he doesn't. He comes out like a lion, like a lamb. And see, I want you to understand the two comings of Jesus Christ to the earth. The first time he came, he came as the lamb, the lamb of God slain, the one who died and rose again. He's the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And the second time that Jesus Christ comes, he's coming as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the line to rule. And right now we're seeing him in his first coming. We're seeing as how he was as the lamb, the lamb who was slain. Some people say that that's a good picture showing Jesus both as the lion and the lamb. Revelation chapter 5 verse 6, and we're going to see him coming and look what it says there. I saw between the throne. Now he's looking and there's the throne with the father on the throne and the four living creatures, these, these angels with all these wings and everything and the elders, the 24 elders. And I saw one standing, a lamb standing as if slain. He's standing up, but he looks like he's been, been killed having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out to all the earth. Well, he says, I look and, and I see, I see a lamb slain. Let me go back. This is his first coming. 
He was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What John is seeing Jesus as the Redeemer, as the one who would come and die and pay for the sins of mankind. And he sees him, as, and it says, as if he was slain. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's Isaiah 53. If you've ever read Isaiah 53, it says, like a lamb led to slaughter, he opened not his mouth. He is. That's who he is. He's the Lamb of God. Do you remember when John the Baptist is standing with his disciples and Jesus goes by and John the Baptist says, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It goes all the way back to Passover when they killed the Lamb and put the blood on the door and it delivered them from the bondage of sin. The Lamb, the bondage of Egypt, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, delivers us from the bondage of sin because he paid the Penalty. The penalty has been made. He says here, as if slain. It's perfect tense in the Greek. I don't like to do a whole bunch of Greek stuff, but perfect tense in the Greek means something that's happened in the past that continues on forever. He was slain and paid for our sins. It's done. It's been done. And it continues forever. John saw him and he said he had seven horns, which really the horns always speak of power and authority. And the seven eyes has the idea of seeing all, but it also the seven eyes refer to the seven spirits of God. We saw way back in chapter one that the Holy Spirit is sometimes referred to as seven spirits because of the, the passage in Isaiah about what the Holy Spirit is like. There's seven different aspects of the Holy Spirit. Now, here we are and we've seen this and you picture yourself, you're John standing there and you see the Father on the throne, 24 elders, angels moving around, and suddenly this lamb walks out that looks like he's been killed. And what happens? We're going to see what I consider now one of the most important events in all history. Look at verse 7. And he came, the lamb came, and took the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. He's come, and he's taken it. The lamb takes the scroll out of the hand of God the Father. Uh, Alan Johnson, one of the a Bible scholars, says this. He says it's symbolic of the one on the throne authorizes the lamb to carry out the plan. And that's true. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. And the plan is for Jesus Christ not only to be the redeemer, but to be the, the, the king and kings. Daniel chapter 7, and to him, this talking about Jesus, was given dominion, glory, a kingdom to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language, that they might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will never pass away. His kingdom is one will never be destroyed. This is Jesus taking the, the, the judgment that's going to come unto the world. Wow. Some put that sort of as a picture where the elders are all watching and there's the angels and there's the lamb coming and there's the, the, you know, they're all there. And Jesus takes the scroll and look what happened. And when he had taken the book, the four, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. What was the response? They all fell down. They all worshiped. They responding by those in front of the throne when they see the lamb giving, giving, giving the scroll, giving that he, there's from worship or from weeping to worship. Everybody's there and look, they've got the bowls which are, which, uh, and they've got harps. Well, everybody talks about harps, but they've got these bowls that have incense in them and smoke is going up and it's the prayers. It's your prayers, by the way. In the Old Testament, uh, in the, in the tabernacle, in the, in the Old Testament times, there was an altar of incense and it burned all the time and the incense had smoke going up all the time and it was symbolic of prayers going up to God. Here these angels and the 24 elders have bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. You are the saints. This is your prayers going up to God. God always answers prayer. It may be yes, it may be no, and it may be wait, but He always answers prayers. 
And so look what happens. They're going to sing a song. You know, we just got through singing songs. And by the way, if you notice those songs we sang in just a few minutes, you're going to see that the words of the songs we sang are in this scripture right here. And it should pump you up. You should go, whoa, this is great. We're saying the same thing. We sang the same thing they sang. Look, they sang a new song. Look at what it says, verse 9. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the book and to break the seals. I'm going to stop for a second because when it says they sang a new song, there are two Greek words for new. There's a word, word that means new and old. Like this is old, it's, it's like 10 years old, and this is new. This is kind of brand new. There's a different word that means new as far as better. Like, this may be brand new, but this one is new because it's better than this one. Well, this is the word used here. This is the new song that's better than the other songs. This is the best song. Look what the song says. Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seal, for you were slain, and you purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priest to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. We've got the new song. And let me tell you, and I'll have to go quickly just because of time, but there are four things in this song. The first one is he's slain. He says, worthy are you to break the, to break the book and break the skulls for you were slain. You understand that Jesus Christ came at the exact point in time in history at exactly the right time. He came to the earth. He died on the cross to pay for sin and rise again to conquer death. He was slain for you and for me. He died for us. That's why he died. He died on the cross to pay for our sins. He went on to say that he purchased, he purchased for God with your blood, Jesus did, with his blood, from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. Do you realize Jesus is the redeemer? And our illustration, of course, redemption is to buy something. You know what he bought? He bought us. He purchased us. What, do you not know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit is in you? You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Jesus Christ purchased you. He's the redeemer. What was the redemption price? Blood. We're not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Acts 20, 28, he purchased us with his blood. Before salvation, we were slaves to sin. After salvation, we are slaves to God. That's who we belong to. And 1 John 1, 7 says, his blood cleanses us. 1 John 2, 2 says, he's the satisfactory payment for our sins. Never get over the fact that Jesus Christ came to this earth to die for you, to purchase you, to shed his blood. That's what the song is about. And that's what he's saying. And then there's a third part of the song, which is in verse 10. And notice, it's a little bit different. It says, and you have made them to be a kingdom and priest to our God. Listen, when you look at it in the original language, it could read, you have made them to be a kingdom of priests. Or it could read, you have made them to be a kingdom and priest. Now, New American Standard, what I'm using, translates it kingdom and priest. It could be either one, but the idea there is they're going to rule and they're going to be priest. And that they're going to have authority and we're going to offer sacrifices. That's who we are. He's purchased us from every tribe, every tongue, every language, every nation. We're kings and priests. And then he's got one more thing that he says in the song, and that is they will reign in the kingdom. Notice he says, and they will reign upon the earth. Now we know that Jesus Christ is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. We already know. And the millennial kingdom, King David, will be under Jesus Christ. Then we know that there will be Jewish people who will rule all throughout Israel. And there will be people like us who will rule over the rest of the world. And those who are faithful and those who have lived for Christ will have great places of responsibility. There will be others who will have different places of responsibility. He appears to say that they will reign, that these people will reign or rule or have responsibilities with Jesus Christ.
And quickly it says, then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels. Now wait a minute, what? Many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the number of them of were myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. Listen, they looked up and they saw thousands of angels and four angels. Listen, angels are very powerful beings. Can you imagine seeing thousands and thousands of angels? I mean, we already know they're very powerful. If an angel appeared right here, we would all be scared. They're powerful beings. One angel killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. They're powerful beings. And John doesn't see just one angel. He doesn't see just those four angels. He sees thousands and thousands and thousands of angels. If you're interested in angels, I'm going to teach this fall the study that I put together called Angels and Demons. It's during our SBI class uh, class time. Uh, it is amazing. If you've never studied uh, angels, they're all over the Bible, and they're all connected with Jesus Christ all the way through. And it's a powerful, uh, powerful stuff. So if you're interested, take that class this fall when we do SBI because it's got a lot about angels in it. Of course, it's angels and demons, good angels and bad angels. What were they saying? What were they all saying? Saying with a loud voice, verse 12, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive what? Power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory. And blessing. And that's what they say. Look at the qualities that they say about the Lamb. He's worthy to get power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Blessing, it means praise. These are the words. You sang these words just a little bit ago in those songs that we said. You may not have even thought about them. Sometimes I can sing a song and never even remember the words or even think of the words while I'm singing it. We don't want to do that. We want to sing it and know it. Look what it says about him. He's all powerful. He owns everything. He's all wise. He has all ability, all honor, all glory, and all praise goes to him. That's what they're all saying. All the angels and the four around the throne and the 24 elders, they're all praising God. That's who. That's what they're saying. And look what it says. Every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them. I heard him say, now he's going to stop. Look at what he says. Every created thing, not just people, every created thing which is in heaven, on the earth, under the earth, in the sea, all things in them. He heard him saying to him who sits on the throne, that's the father. And to the Lamb, that's the Son, be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. Every created being. The one on the throne is the Father. The one taking the scroll is the Lamb. Philippians 2 says that every knee will bow. And it's true. Every knee is going to bow. Everything is going to, every created thing which is in heaven and the earth and under the earth and in the sea and in the sea and under the everything is going to bow down and say great honor, blessing, glory, dominion forever and ever and ever. What are you going to do? One of these days, you're going to be there. If you die right now, you'd be there. To be absent from the body is what? Present with the Lord. You might see John and say, it looks just like you described it. Who knows? One of these days. Look what happens at the end. And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen. Remember, Amen doesn't mean end of the prayer. Amen means truth. And the four living creatures kept saying, Truth. This is truth. And the elders fell down and worshipped. 
elders fell on their faces. Many say, as we talked right at the very beginning, that the 24 elders, 12 of the elders represent the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel and 12 represent the 12 apostles of the church. Could be, that's probably right if you go over to the end of the book, uh, there's the 12 foundation stones on the 12 gates and one's the 12 for the apostles, the other's the 12 for the tribes. So it all ties together. So they're falling down to worship. How do we respond to our God and Savior, Jesus Christ? How do you respond? I would say go home and read chapters 4 and 5. And think of the words that they use. I'm going to go really quickly through this. Let's worship God the Father and Jesus Christ. Let's understand worship. Worship is responding to God. It's not the music. Music is part of worship. But music, but worship is responding to God, to who he is and what he's done. The purpose of the creature... That's us, is to worship the Creator. He is worthy of all worship. He's the only one. Think about what God the Father and Jesus Christ have done. God the Father in these passages is the Creator, and God the Son, Jesus Christ, is the Redeemer, the Lamb of God. So let's respond in worship. God is all-powerful. He owns everything. He is all-wise. He has all ability, all honor, all praise, and all glory and thanksgiving go to Him. That's the verses. That's what we see in that passage. And so may we let us, let us worship our God as creator and redeemer. In this passage, the Father is the creator and the Son is the redeemer. Let's worship Him.